Hello, audio nerds. It's good to be back. I've spent the past few weeks in Brazil doing uh, research, and uh, the music there, it did not let me down. More on that a little bit later on. If you're new here, please read the charter. We're welcoming at least 60 or 70 new reader listeners today, and that's thanks to Substack plugging Audio First on the homepage. So thanks again for that. And one final note, all Audio First episodes, uh, past and future, are findable on the podcast apps. That's Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, whatever. And I happen to prefer Pocket Cast. It displays the text fully linked and really nicely in the notes section. But you do you. Onward. Okay, Lo-Fi AR. Magic Leap, the bellwether company in augmented reality, is apparently exploring a sale, according to Bloomberg. The report said it could be for as much as $10 million, which would be a pretty healthy return on the $2.6 billion it raised in equity financing. But the reality is $10 billion is probably a stretch. Elsewhere, outlets like TechCrunch think this will be a fire sale. I mean, I tend to agree 2019 was a year of flameouts for some really well-funded AR startups like ODG, Meta, and Daiquiri. And uh, in addition, Magic Leap suffered some pretty weak demand for its consumer headset, uh, the One, and uh, it since pivoted to Enterprise, where it really hasn't found a foothold. Uh, I think a big Microsoft contract was canceled. Anyhow, if I was a betting man, I would say this is going to end a little closer to a flameout. Um, and this isn't, you know, about schadenfreude or poking fun. This is, you know, really crucial technology towards building uh, widespread AR. It just feels, you know, like the consensus has shifted a bit. Augmented reality is further out than previously thought, more of a five to ten year range. And that's obviously a letdown to the startups and investors in the space. But... If AR's timeline is now delayed, the opportunity for audio with more time in the interim, it actually increases a lot. And as I argued in my Betaworks presentation last year, AirPods 1 will be remembered as our first taste of transhumanism. We already wear them all day. The sales are on par with iPhones so far. Number two, AirPods could become a lo-fi AR or a lo-fi Neuralink. It's really just a software problem now. And three, but so far, nothing we use them for is that novel. We actually, uh, you know, do pretty much stuff we we could have done with wired headphones. But my thought here is that this is going to change, uh, and maybe that augmented reality's current problems are also audio's fortune, as this interfaceless interface audio could offer many of the upsides of AR, except it's here and now. We're already wearing them all day long, as the AR makers had hoped for their own headsets. And uh, AirPods can approximate a lot of real-time information, uh, given that they're tethered to a smartphone. And soon there might be even more information like head angles and gestures and other biometric sensors on board. So yeah, if you uh, are already wearing them five plus hours uninterrupted, you know you could pretty quickly see how this might be, you know, an interim technology uh, as we wait for real brain-machine interfaces like Neuralink or Control Labs and to really arrive uh, in our everyday. Second, the vision for AR headsets could be achieved in part with audio. 
it's not difficult to imagine, say, 50% of the Magic Leap demos, like, you know, emails or basic search, um, that, that could be done perhaps with, you know, a really, really good smart assistant. So that's really the, the bottleneck right now is the ability to direct and command and do it, you know, without any hands. Uh, a lot of that is already being kind of indicated uh, in the next iteration of the AirPods Pro. And as I wrote in, you know, a previous audio first episode, this really does feel like that taste of where it's all going. Um, next gen audio. Uh, one of my favorite features with the AirPods Pro is the dictation of messages. So if, in case you missed it, incoming iMessages can be read aloud by Siri. I love it. And more and more, I find myself dictating messages out, especially when I'm out running and kind of alone and not around of people where I feel uh, a little socially awkward by commanding things with Siri. Um, but yeah, you know, the ability to uh, to do all that stuff, it definitely makes me, especially to do it, you know, to be able to use Siri hands-free, it, it seems pretty obvious to me that Apple will lead uh, the way with a Siri category of new apps. It's just a matter of when. And so far, yeah, Apple has been pretty quiet. It's kept the developer features with SiriKit pretty limited. I imagine they want to, you know, pl play the best hand they can for themselves uh, as they develop this technology um, and not open it up too early. But I suspect this will also change. It seems pretty inevitable that they'd like to get this technology in the hands of other app developers. Um, and yeah, as Apple has been rumored to be working on AR for the past 10 years, the reported chip dates keep getting pushed back. And in the near term, I think this looks like a bigger opportunity for audio and AirPods. And amidst a work from home crisis due to coronavirus, I'd say AirPods are spiking in demand. Perhaps we're actually living through a catalyzing moment for audio. Okay, Musica Brasileira. On the music front, Brazil was magical. Granted, my most predictable travel habit is falling in love to the point where I browse Zillow and tell everyone back in NYC that I could totally live there and then never follow through. But I swear, Brazil, a really unique crucible for music. And my knowledge going into to visiting was more around Bossa Nova. I understood it as this beautiful jazz samba fusion. It pairs really nicely with a pina colada. Uh, you kind of get the idea, um, but the reality of the ground was certainly that and a whole lot more. Uh, you know, bossa nova, samba, pagogi, um, which is sort of a samba folk hybrid, and then tropicalia, which you might recognize as like really, you know, kind of 60s psych rock. Um, a lot of that is very exported music. I encountered it down there, even, you know, my Brazilian friends there play it for themselves these are sort of the national music genres um, but brazilian music what from what i learned you know later on it has this unique evolution it's often fused with american music uh, except using its own unique sounds and instruments and rhythms and to an american's ears it's a wonderful degree of same but different uh, and in culture and history brazil is actually not too unlike america either the most well-known genres have African roots. They're, uh, and you know, just generally steeped in a turbulent history. There's counterculture. There's political upheaval, lasting inequality. You know, it's not totally unlike America on that front either. But the contemporary party music that I heard down there was something else entirely. At a lot of these parties and carnival events, people kept asking me what I think about the genre baile funky. Um, it's pronounced funky. 
and uh, and often just called funky. Um, and it's basically the local equivalent of hip hop. I heard it everywhere. It has this distinctive cha 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 ta cha cha cha, and you can't you know really mistake that. Culturally, it really seems to occupy the same space as ratchet, dance floor, hip hop. Um, and in this guide to urbano music, a uh, pitchfork writer Felipe Maya summarized funk's history, really originating out of Rio's uh, slums, and you know, and kind of compared it to the South Bronx in the '70s—a large, young, black population that wanted a party, despite tough living conditions. Um, and from there, you know, has really elevated. It's kind of the you know biggest genre down there, from what I could tell, among young people. Um, and it turns out that funky has its roots in American hip hop. It's currently going through a lot of the same debates that hip hop did, maybe more so in the 90s, around you know what it's promoting, misogyny, promiscuity, crime, and all that. Um, and you know a lot of the biggest strains of funky. Um, are, you know, celebrating ostentatious spending and money and fame. Um, it sounds like a familiar story. Um, and if you really want to see Funky in action, check out this little Boiler Room documentary. There's some really uh, wild stuff in there. Um, and after listening to my share of Funk, some of it's pretty good. Some of it's hard on the ears. Some of it sounds a little hokey. There are some remixes of Old Town Road or A Star Is Born. But on the whole, you know, it definitely echoes some... Uh, types of music like Urbano and hip hop um, that I really know and enjoy. So um, something worth checking out. It might not be for every American's ears. Um, But anyway, since leaving Brazil, I can't help but wonder if some of this music is going to grow in popularity. I mean, Anita, who's probably the biggest pop star in Brazil today, she's this trilingual uh, funk singer who started to do, or funky singer, um, and started to do a lot of crossovers with big names. I have had her song Bola Rabola on repeat I also learned that Diplo famously compiled funky mixtapes as a way to export the sounds and get producers on the map. Um, and yeah, after a Super Bowl in Miami that featured Shakira and J-Lo, it's pretty clear that Latin music has arrived. And I, I guess I'm curious what the future holds for Brazilian music or if it can even be lumped into Latin trap. In my brief survey of people there, the impression I got was that Brazil doesn't really consider itself Latin American. It's just Brazil is the uh, common answer I had. And yeah, and almost nobody there speaks Spanish. It's its own place. So in any event, the country is clearly brimming with musical life. Everyone I met seemingly had some kind of musical talent. I found myself there participating in like three of my five lifetime drum circles. And yeah, to top it all off, I had some cosmic coincidence where Capadonna from Wu-Tang Clan happened to sit in front of me on the, on the flight back. Um, so yeah, he said the whole clan is going to come back in Sao Paulo in April. Uh, and yeah, this is in coach, so in case you're curious. Anyway, if you want a little starter pack of music here, I compiled all my locally recommended songs and Shazams into a playlist here. Um, if you want to try just funk out and you're uh, you're feeling saucy, um, just go for this Spotify-made playlist. It's actually quite good. And uh, if you try nothing else, I'd say give Jorge Benjor... Uh, Novos Baianos or Cayetano Veloso uh, a listen those are like legendary names you could go deep on all of them I'm sure you'll find something you like Uh, and yeah let me know how your listening goes I'm curious if you can uh, send music my way too Um, would be great anyway
Liner notes. Concert promoters suspend big shows around the world. It's affecting a lot of festivals and tours. Uh, definitely some disruption happening with coronavirus. There's a new Fortet and new J Electronica, fortunately, and it's featuring another J, a lot of Jay-Z. Today feels uh, like very 2009. And uh, yeah, a lot of good music, fortunately, amidst this crisis. Uh, there's a great interview with SZA. Uh, and lastly, uh, another disruption, Apple WWDC will be entirely online this year. Stay tuned, keep it locked, and please stay safe out there. Self-quarantine, lock yourself up with some good music. Uh, and yeah, be sure to share some online uh, or my way. Uh, this is Nick at NPapaG. You can find me. And uh, yeah, till the next one. Thanks for tuning in.